Pastor Lau and Pastor Dala Haprasit would like to welcome you to the following message from New Hope International Church in Seattle, Washington. Here is Pastor Lau's anointed teaching that will change your life with love, hope, and peace in Jesus Christ. And now, Pastor Lau. The Lord is good. Amen. I believe with all my heart that the sermon today, if you listen carefully and put into practice, it will really change your life. And I want you to remember the sermon today because this is one of the biggest problems in humanity that cause people to lose victory and blessing in their life. Because of celebration of Thanksgiving, we talk about Thanksgiving today. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57, But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see the word thanks, and you see the word victory. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, Now thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph, or in victory, in Christ, and through us diffuses the fragrance of His knowledge in every place. Today, we would like to talk about the connection between being thankful and having victory. How many people want to have victory? Raise your hand up. Amen. So today, I'm going to give you the key to get victory in your life. If you notice, the English language is different from other languages because you can tell the tense, either the past tense, the present tense, or the future tense. In Thai language, I don't know Chinese language, but in Thai language, when you talk in Thai language, you cannot tell the tense, you just go by the context of the sentence. But in English, you can see, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory. This is the present tense. We thank God, not for the past victory. We thank God, not because we just think about the past, what God has done for us in the past. But we can thank God today for the victory that God is going to give us now and in the future. We can be thankful to the Lord even though we have not seen the victory in our own eyes yet. Even though we have not experienced or felt the victory yet. Thanking God comes before the victory. In other words, Amen. So today we're going to look at the example in the Bible and how the thankfulness will help us to get the victory. And we're talking about the victory now and the future, not the past. There's a connection between thanking God now and experiencing the victory in the future. Yes, it's good to thank God for the past victory. Yes, it's good to thank God for the past blessing that God has been given us last year, 10 years ago. But in order to obtain His victory now for our life, what we need to do, we need to tap into heaven by faith. And when we move by faith, we receive the grace of God. The grace of God has been given to us through the cross. On the cross, Jesus has paid or purchased every kinds of victory for our life, either financial victory, healing, physical victory, emotional victory, relationship victory, all kinds of victories, all kinds of blessings have been paid by the blood of Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. And the Bible says that we can receive those things because salvation or victory. We receive by the grace through faith. The hand that can go get the grace of God in order to get victory is the hand of faith. So, in order to receive victory, we need to walk by faith. And I want to let you know that one of the most powerful ways to walk in faith and to stay in faith is to thank God continually. Let me repeat one more time. When you want to walk by faith, and stay in faith. You need to thank God continually. I'm not talking about thanking God in a religious 
ritualistic way, but we are talking about we thank God in a genuine way, in a very sincere way from our heart, not religious way. And if we see, keep sincerely thanking God, we are walking by faith because we thank God for the things going to happen in the future, even though we have not seen it. And when we do that, we walk by faith. We can tap into the heavenly grace, and the grace of God will bring us victory. A young man came to a pastor at the end of the church service. This young man came to his pastor and said, "Pastor, I need your help." And the pastor said, "What? What can I help you?" He said that I have been a smoker. I smoked for many years, and I try. Everything in the world, I get lay hand on so many times, but I'm still smoking. I could not quit. I wanted to quit, but I can't. Could you please help me? This man was very burdened with condemnation. I believe that many Christians love God, but they are addicted to certain things: addicted to alcohol and to cigarettes or to eating. Some people addicted to food. They like to eat, 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 because they are having a habit of eating. And all these things, I want to encourage you. The blood of Jesus Christ can cleanse all the things that defile you, all the things that harmed you, all the things that are evil and destroying your life. The blood of Jesus can do that. But what we need to do is to keep seeking the help from God to be set free. Don't feel condemned and leave the church because you are a smoker. Don't feel condemned and leave the fellowship because you have certain bad habits. If you keep pressing into God, if you keep asking God, you keep coming back to church. Don't stay away from God. You will eventually find the answer and victory. This man say, "I wish I can quit, but I can't." Do you notice that? What does he believe? He believed that he cannot. That's why he was not able to quit because he believed that he cannot. Let me ask you a question: Is there a place in your life that you stay both unthankful and being thankful at the same time? Is there any place in your life that you can be neither thankful nor thankful at the same time? There's no such thing. You can either be thankful and walk by faith. Or you can be complaining and be having bad attitude and unthankful and don't receive anything from God. This man was not very thankful. He just kept saying, "I cannot, I cannot. God cannot help me." And this man said to the pastor, "Don't ask me to throw away my cigarette. I'm not going to throw away." The pastor answered, "I'm not going to ask you to throw the cigarette away." I'm going to ask you to do one simple thing. Every time you feel the urge to put a cigarette out and burn it, you just say, "Thank God for the victory that I have through Christ Jesus." Every time you light the cigarette, you don't say, "I cannot." You say, "Thank God for the freedom I have through Christ Jesus." You know why the pastor say like that? Ask him to do that. Because you can either agree with the word of God or you don't agree with the word of God. When you say "I cannot," I am bowed, I am defeated. You are offending God with your words, because the word of God say that through Christ Jesus we have been delivered from the power of darkness. Whether you feel it or not, whether you experience it or not, that is the truth in the Bible. But if you keep saying things against what the Bible say, You are offending God, and you will never get any victory. So the best way to do is to agree with what the Word of God say: that I am free, I am healed, I am victorious. And in order to walk by faith, you need to keep saying, "Thank God for the victory that I have." I tell you, this principle will set you free from any bondage in your life, whether alcoholism, drugs, cigarette, anything. Pornography. If you begin to walk this way, we call active faith. Start thanking God for His help, thanking God for His answer, thanking God for what Jesus did for you. 
and then the grace of God will begin to work in your life. So the pastor say that every time you want to smoke, you get the cigarette out, you say thank you Lord for the freedom from cigarette. And a few weeks later, the man show up in the church. This is a true story. The man show up in the church and come to beaming the glory of God on his face and say to the pastor, I am set free. I kept doing that for weeks, a few weeks. Every time I pull the cigarette um, out, I say, thank God for the freedom. And suddenly, the desire disappears. Suddenly, I don't want to smoke anymore. And I feel even yucky. I don't want to touch cigarette anymore. So I throw the cigarette away and never smoke for a few weeks. Amen? Because he walked by faith. He thanked God for the victory that has not happened yet. If you want to have victory in your life, you need the grace of God. And in order to get the grace of God, you need to walk by faith. And in order to show faith, you need to keep continually thanking God every single day. Today, we're going to learn about a life of a man named Ahab. And we're going to learn to see how this man walked on this, in this world. And we're going to learn bad lessons from him, and we will not do like him. In, sec- in 1 Kings 21, verses 1 to 3, And it came to pass after this thing that Naboth, the Jezreelite, had a vineyard which was in Jezreel, next to the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. So Ahab spoke to Naboth, saying, Give me your vineyard, that I may have it for a vegetable garden, because it is near next to my house. For it I will give you a vineyard better than it. Or if it seem good to you, I will give you its worth in money. But Naboth, said to Ahab. You need to listen to this story carefully. We're going to learn a lot of lesson. The Lord forbid that I should give the inheritance of my fathers to you. Today we talk about thanksgiving and victory. And we're going to learn the life example of this man who did not have a thankful heart. This passage talks about three persons. King Ahab, the king of Samaria. His wife named Jezebel. And the third person is Naboth. Naboth owned a vineyard next door to the palace of King Ahab. And before we go on, I want to ask you to listen to this sermon for yourself. Not for your wife, not for your husband, not for your kids, not for your boyfriend or girlfriend or your friend in the care group. You listen to this sermon for yourself, okay? Naboth did not say that I will not give or exchange this land with you with money. Naboth did not say that. Naboth said, The Lord spoke to me that this land belonged to my father and it has to be passed on as inheritance to my children. Can you imagine to talk like that to the king? And you need to understand King Ahab was very reputable in the area of being a cruel murderer. He killed many people. He was a very evil king. And when the king asks you for a vineyard or for a land, and you say, no, the Lord told me not to give to you, what is the outcome? It's pretty scary. Because the king is going to want his, what he wanted. But he said, the Lord told me that I could not give this land to you. It's scary. He was talking like that in the face of an evil king, Ahab. Look at verse 4 and 5. So Ahab went into his house, sullen and displeased because of the word which Naboth, the Jezreelite, had spoken to him. For he had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my fathers. And he lay down on his bed and turned away his face and would not eat and would eat no food. But Jezebel, his wife, came to him, said to him, Why is your spirit so sullen that you eat no food? Naboth said that the land must stay in my family and it will need to be passed down to my children. So I will not give to you. Was Ahab thankful at all? Was Ahab 
behaving right. Was Ahab having a thankful heart? No, he was mad. He was very displeased. He was very angry, and he went into his bedroom. He lay on the bed, put his head under the pillow, turned his face to the wall, and did not want to eat. Looked like a baby, to me. He was very angry and very bitter. He was depressed. He was unthankful. This is the man we're going to learn about the story. But let's look at another man before we go on and learn more about King Ahab. Another man named Jesus. In Matthew chapter 16, talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Living God. The Lord Jesus in Matthew chapter 16, he told the disciple about what he was going through. He's going to suffer a lot of things. He would be killed on the cross in Matthew chapter 16. And what was the reaction of the disciple named Peter? Peter was thinking the thoughts of men. You don't deserve this death. You deserve to be a king of Israel. What did Peter say? Peter said that dude, don't go to the cross. Run away. This thing will never happen to you. You don't need to be suffered. You don't deserve it. You deserve honor. And how did Jesus respond? Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. You listen to this sermon to this point later on, you're going to see what I'm going to lead you through. Why I'm talking about Jesus. Get behind me, Satan. In other translation, Jesus said, you are an obstacle to me. Satan, stay away from me. Another translation say, you are tempting me to sin against God. Another translation say, you are danger to me. Stay away from me, Satan. You notice that Jesus responded to Peter very, very sternly and strongly. He stand firm that he's going to do the will of God. In other words, Jesus avoided to entertain himself with the thought that he did not deserve to go to the cross and suffer. Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was sweating blood. He knew that he was going to go through a lot of suffering. He would be nailed on the cross. He would be whipped at the post. He would receive all the sin, all the terrible sins of humanity from the past to the future would be on him. He would be rejected by the Father on the cross. Did he deserve to be whipped, to be nailed on the cross? Did he deserve to receive all the sin of all humanities? No, he did not deserve it because he never sinned. But he tried to avoid the feeling and the thoughts of self-pity. I don't deserve this. I don't want to be on the, at the cross. I don't deserve bad things. I deserve good things. Jesus said, get behind me. This is not the thought of men. This is not the thought of God, but the thought of men. So what we learn from Jesus and learn from King Ahab is, opposite, Jesus did not have self-pity, but Ahab had self-pity. Ahab was not thankful. Ahab was full of feeling sorry for himself. Self-pity is a dangerous attitude. It will kill you. Jesus did not feel sorry for himself that he has to go through the cross and suffer for many things. But Ahab felt sorry for himself. He came home. He laid in his bed. Think about it. Ahab had everything he wanted. He was a king. He wore the best clothes in the whole country. He ate the best food in the whole nation. He had so many acres of vineyard that belonged to him. Is that right? He had all the men and women that can serve him. If he say, come here, massage my leg. Somebody going to come and massage his leg. Because he was a king. He can get whatever he wants. But he wanted one more thing that did not belong to him. And that is the vineyard of Naboth. 
he got his mind on that piece of land that if he got that the land going to be connected to his palace can you see the scheme of the enemy in your life here the same thing can happen to you amen you have everything you wanted you have your house you have your car but one day the devil will speak to you if you can get that one more thing you shall be very happy Do you notice that this happened a lot in children? If I can get that bike, Dad, Mommy, I will be very happy. Maybe your teenager will come to you, Mommy. If I can get that Beamer, the Beamer, I would be very happy. But after the Beamer for three days, I want something else. I want the iPad. You think that that is for children, and you laugh about it. That for teenagers, I want more, one more thing. I will be happy for three days. But a 5 5 y e a r s old man does the same thing. Okay, he say, if I just can get that big house, I would be happy. I if I can just get that new car, I would be happy. If I can get a raise, I would be happy. I would tell you the truth. There is nothing in the world materially, and even human can make you have a permanent, long-term contentment and satisfaction. Only the thing from God will give you true satisfaction. Amen. You think that you can dump your girlfriend and get another girlfriend because the grass is greener on the other side? I tell you the truth. There will be a different set of problem with a new girlfriend. So don't dump your girlfriend. Stay with her. Okay. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So this is what happened to Ahab. Ahab think that if he can get that piece of land, even though he has multiple acres of land already for himself, he want to get that piece of land. What does the Bible say? Proverbs chapter 27, verse 20. Hell and destruction are never full. So the eyes of man are never satisfied. <laughs> you get you get one thing, you get another thing. Another scripture in Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 10: He who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver, nor he who loves abundance with increase. In other words, you may say, if I can make a million, I would be very happy. It's not true. When you get to one million, you're gonna say, "If I can get the second million," and when you get to the second million, you're gonna say, "If I get the third million," you will never be satisfied with what you have. If you cannot be satisfied with one hundred dollars in your pocket right now, you will never be satisfied with ten million dollars you will have in the future. Amen. Money is a good tool. It's good to have it. It helps you to meet your need. It helps you to bless a lot of people around you. But it doesn't matter how much money you have; the money will not bring you true satisfaction. Think about it: King Ahab had everything that he wanted, except the land of Naboth. Was he thankful? Was he feeling sorry for himself? Yes, he was not thankful. For the thing that God has given him, all the palace, the food, the clothes, the soldier, the troop, and the whole land belonged to him. But he was not thankful. He was having a bad attitude. He was sorry for himself. Ahab was in his palace. At that vineyard, was next to his palace, and he began to form the idea, the plan. Oh, I'm a king. If I talk to Naboth. Naboth gonna say yes, and we're gonna sign a contract very soon to give that land to me, and I plan to give this much money to him. He planned it out everything. He wanted what he wanted, but his attitude was deadly wrong, deadly wrong. He was assuming, he was presuming. His attitude was, I deserve that land. Everyone say deserve. This is a dangerous word in Christian life. When you begin to say, "I deserve it," you are walking out from the grace of God. We need to cut that word out from your Christian dictionary. 
when you come to some members in the church, maybe some friend in the church, you say, "Oh, you work so hard, you deserve that house." That is totally deadly wrong, because no one deserves anything. Amen. I don't deserve to have this church. I don't deserve to have Pastor Da as my wife. I don't deserve to have you as my members. I need to remove that phrase. I deserve it from my dictionary. Because when I say I deserve it, then I cannot get the grace of God. When I start to say I deserve it, then I will feel sorry for myself if I don't get what I want. Ahab has that kind of attitude. He say I deserve it, but when I don't get it, I'm gonna feel sorry for myself. I'm gonna get mad. He was obsessed with that piece of land. Why he has? Another maybe hundred acres of land that belong to him. I want to tell you the truth from the Bible: that there is a connection between faith and being a partaker or receiver of the blessing of victory from God. There is a connection between faith and receiving. God wants us to be partaker of His blessing of victory, but in order to receive or be a partaker of The blessing of God, a victory of God. You need to come to Him by faith, and when you come to Him by faith, then He will show His grace to you. You receive grace by faith, not by work. The Bible says in First John chapter one verse nine, "You are saved by grace through faith, not by your good work, because it is the gift of God." Pastor Da is a gift of God to me. The members who just joined yesterday, 28 members, are the gift of God to me. They are, I don't deserve them at all. I receive by faith. It's the grace of God. Can you be gracious to somebody who feel that they deserve what you're going to give to them? Let me repeat the question one more time. Can you be gracious to somebody? Who feel that you owe them something? Amen. This is the attitude in this society. The government owe me something. The the society, the rich people owe me something, so they need to pay me something. And that's why they don't receive anything from God. They don't receive the grace of God because it's impossible for God to give you grace if you come to Him and say, "Hey, I deserve it." When you say I deserve it, what do you mean? I earn it. I use my good work. I do everything I can to get it. Then you cannot receive the supernatural victory and the grace of God. Whenever you abuse the grace of God, you will miss the victory of God. Don't abuse the grace of God. Amen. Ahab, instead of choosing to walk by faith, instead of depending on the grace of God. Instead of walking by faith and having the right attitude, being thankful, he did not depend on the grace of God. He complained. He got upset. He was unthankful. He said that I deserve it. He was very upset and felt pity for himself. And when he did that, it's impossible for God to give grace to him. Can you imagine if Ahab had a totally different attitude? If Ahab say, "Okay, you don't give that land to me," I'm still thankful for what I have. I'm not gonna feel pity on myself or feel sorry for myself. I'm gonna keep being thankful and be happy and bless you, Naboth. God may turn around, and God might have told Naboth that, "Hey, Naboth, I think you should give the land to him, and it's gonna be a big surprise. It's gonna be a big blessing." Because it come by the grace of God, not because he want to push to get it. Ahab was not thankful. He thought in his mind, "I deserve this. Naboth must sell the land to me because I am the king, and he must do it." So I'm upset right now. Come to this point. I want to tell you the biblical philosophy in your life. And if you can live like this, you're gonna save a lot of boxes of Kleenex. You can. You will not need Valium, Xanax, pain medication. You will save yourself from high blood pressure, from being disappointed and lose sleep. 
you're gonna save yourself from a lot of bad days. You're gonna have a lot of good days in your life if you can have this attitude that I'm gonna teach you today. This is the biblical attitude. When it comes to other people, I will expect nothing and be thankful in every circumstance and for everything. I presume nothing from anybody. I assume nothing from anybody. And I'm going to expect only from God by faith to receive the grace from Him. And it is His business to work in the heart of people to help me who, when, where. It is His business, but I don't expect anything from anybody in my life, including my wife and my husband and my kids. If you can think that way, you will be the happiest person in the whole world. I know one person that got upset with the wife all the time, just because the wife could not cook meal for him because she is not a cook; she is an engineer. But he was upset all the time. You know, not everyone can cook. Then you just go buy it. What a big deal! Why you have to force your wife to cook for you if she cannot cook? Amen. So don't expect anything from anybody. Ah, oh, somebody like this message now. <laughs> Everyone say, when it comes to other people, I expect nothing from them. I presume nothing. I'm thankful for everything. Can you imagine if you can think this way? You will have a lot of happy days in your life. Amen. But King Ahab was totally different from what I'm talking here. He got worse and worse and worse as time went by. How did it start? How did bad things start in Ahab's life? And you're gonna study later on how the worst thing happened later on. What happened? Where did it start? I want to tell you. It started from his thought. Here, 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 here. It starts from here. Romans chapter eight verse six say. For to be carnally minded is death. If you use a simple language, if you your thinking is carnal, is evil, you will face death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Or in other words, if you think the same way the Holy Spirit thinks, you will have life and peace. Death is the outcome of carnal, of fleshly, or evil or sinful thoughts. To be carnally minded is death. Let me ask this question: Does it matter what kind of thought you have in your mind? Does it matter whether you entertain good thoughts or bad thoughts? If you entertain bad thoughts, it will lead to death. Amen. Many thoughts you should not keep in your life. That's why come back to Jesus. That's why Jesus say, "Get behind me." Because you know, Satan tried to tell Jesus through Peter that, "Oh, be pity on yourself. Feel sorry for yourself that you have to go to the cross. You don't deserve that. You deserve to be the king of Israel, not to be on the cross. Get behind me." So Satan tried to put the negative thoughts in our life. Feel sorry for myself. Oh, my dad, my mom are not rich. Oh, no one care about me. Everyone feel pity on me. Can you recognize that thought? I hope you can. If that thought start to come in, you need to do the same thing like Jesus did. Get behind me. Get out of here. This is the thought of man. This is not the thought of God. Feeling sorry for yourself, unthankfulness, and saying that I deserve it are from hell. And they are deadly thoughts. Ahab could have thanked God for the next six months. He was a king; he had everything, but he chose to lie in the bed, make himself sick, abstaining from food, and feel sorry for himself. First King chapter twenty-one verses five to six. Let's continue to read the story. This is a fun story to read. But Jezebel, his wife, came to him and said to him. Why is your spirit so sullen that you eat no food? He said to her, "Because I spoke to Naboth, the Jezreelite, and said to him, 'Give me your vineyard for money, or else, if it pleases you, 
I will give you another vineyard for it. And he answered, I will not give you my vineyard. Jezebel came into the room, his wife. He did not look at her. He, his head was under the pillow. He was facing the wall, and the wife came in and said, "What's wrong, baby?" <laughs> and he was crying. <laughs> She said, "I cannot hear you. Your voice is under the pillow. What's wrong?" A lot of you, when you read this scripture, you might have thought that, "Wow, this lady is so kind." No. She was not kind. You may say, "Bless her heart." No, don't bless her heart. I tell you what happened later on. And in this situation, some of you may say, "Poor Ahab." No, he was not poor. He was a king, and he was a baby. He was not a mature man. He was feeling sorry for himself. And then she came to the pillow, and she was patting his head. Why are you so sad? But then you get up and eat the meal, and he replied, "I'm not hungry." And you may laugh about this story. Oh, this is a funny story. No, this is not a funny story. This is satanic and hellish, because you know later on the man was going to be killed because of this situation, this attitude. First King chapter twenty-one verse twenty-five. But there was no one like Ahab who sold himself to do wickedness in the sight of the Lord, because Jezebel his wife stirred him up. In other words, this man sold himself to Satan by entertaining the self-pity, unthankful attitude, and I deserve it attitude. And his wife, instead of correcting him and say, "Hey, husband, repent, get up," no. What did she do? She helped him to justify his self-pity. She fed his unthankfulness with the negative thoughts again. Many churchgoers are acting like Jezebel, and they call themselves a good friend. They pat their friend in the church on their back and say, "You deserve something from the pastor. You deserve something from the leadership." They're justifying people. In their self-pity and urging them to go on to do wrong thing, this is the work of the devil. Get behind me, devil! Satan is doing that work to make people feel pity for themselves, to be unthankful for the things that happen in their life, and say, "I deserve it." Ahab cried like a baby. You need to think this way. People of Israel need his leadership. The people of Israel need his leadership. They needed him to be a man of wisdom. They need him to be strong, not in the bed crying, the head under the pillow. His soldier need a great commander to lead the troop. Need great leadership. The poor people in that nation need his help. But what was he doing? He was acting like a baby. He was not acting like a leader. He was putting his head under the pillow and crying, crying, and feel self-pity. Husband, in this room, I want to talk to you. Don't do like Ahab to your family. If your wife get upset a little bit, don't run to your bed and put your head under the pillow and cry. <gasps> your kids and your wife need leadership. You'll. Godly leadership and wisdom to resolve the problem in the house, not run away, not act like Ahab, self-pity and unthankful. When you are lying down and feel feeling sorry for yourself, you are not doing what you are supposed to be doing. You are not doing what you should do. This is a dark path. You're gonna go downhill. And Jezebel was in the room with him. Entertaining his thought of self-pity and unthankfulness, and I tell you, not only Jezebel and Ahab were in that room; demons were in that room as well. When you yield to self-pity, evil spirit will come in to fellowship with you, and you are yielding to them, and the condition gonna get worse because from one sin gonna lead to another sin. Let me ask this question: Is there anyone in this room 
has ever felt pity for yourself? Raise your hand up. Me too. Okay, we all human. Sometimes we feel pity, we feel sorry, we feel like I, I deserve it. This happened to me last year when something happened in this church. I felt sorry for myself for many months, but one day I woke up and say, "I cannot be like this. I need to get out of this attitude. I need to rise up to be good leader in the church. I cannot be like Ahab to lie in my bed and cry every day because somebody did bad things to me." And I feel that I deserve their love. I deserve their loyalty and care for me. I need to move on with my life. So thank God that your pastor moved on with his life now. I'm not going to live in self-pity. The same thing to you. If you start to have self-pity, repent as soon as possible. Get out of your bed as soon as possible. Wash your face. Wash your hair. Dress up and go and have fun. Don't have self-pity. Don't feel sorry for yourself, because eventually you're gonna entertain demonic activities in your life. Amen. It never help anybody to be to have self pity. You will not change just to listen to this sermon. You will change only you make a decision to not yield to the thought of unthankfulness and self pity, and I deserve it. Any minute that that thought come in, get behind me, Satan. Any time you feel self pity, if you sorry for yourself, you need to do what Jesus did. Get behind me, Satan. I have a good family. I have a good church. I have a good job. I'm doing well. God bless me. I'm still alive. And you stop having self pity. How many people need the grace of God? I need the grace of God. And the grace of God will help us to receive supernatural thing from the Lord. In order to receive the grace of God, we need to be thankful. We need to stop being self-pity. And you know, self-pity is a form of selfishness. Did Ahab care about Naboth's life? Did he care about Naboth's family? No, he cared about himself. He wanted that land. And because of his selfishness, he did not care about other people anymore. Self-pity is a form of selfishness, and it cut you off from humility and thankfulness and the grace of God. First Kings chapter twenty-one verses seven to nine. Are you okay? I know it's a long sermon, but I think you need to hear this one. Then Jezebel, his wife, said to him, "You now exercise authority over Israel." Arise, eat food. Let your heart be cheerful. I will give you the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite. And she wrote letters in Ahab's name, sealed them with his seal, and sent the letters to the elders and the nobles who were dwelling in the city with Naboth. She wrote in the letters saying, "Proclaim a fast and seat Naboth with high honor and among the people." After. Entertaining demonic activities in their bedroom for a while, demons or Satan began to give them the scheme, evil scheme to get rid of Naboth. So she set up a meeting, honoring Naboth in front of people so that make people jealous of him and hate him, because he was not a Jew. So she set up the situation in order to kill him. Let's continue to read verse 10. Verse 10 says, "And see two men." Scoundrels before him to bear witness. Actually, is false witness against him, saying, "You have blasphemed God and the king." Then take him out and stone him that he may die. You can see from one sin of being unthankful, self-pity, lead to another sin, lie, lead to another sin, condemnation, and also manipulation, and eventually murder. All of these things start in his thought. All start in the thoughts of Ahab, killing, murdering, planning, plotting all the evil things. From these evil thoughts of self-pity, the circumstance got worse and worse. Let's look at verse eleven and thirteen. So the men of his city, the elders of noble, were. Who were inhabitants of the city did as Jezebel had sent to them, and it was written in the letters which she had sent to them. 
they proclaim a fast and seat the Naboth with high honor among the people. And two men, scoundrels, came in and sat before him. And the scoundrels witnessed against him, against Naboth, in the presence of the people, saying, "Naboth has blasphemed God and the king." This is false witness. Okay. Then they took him outside the city, stoned him with stone, so that he died. What happened in that bedroom is not a funny story. It was very satanic, with demonic activities around. It led to murder. Look at verse 14. Then they sent to Jezebel, saying, "Naboth had been stoned and is dead." When Jezebel heard that Naboth was dead, she spoke to Ahab, "Hey, get up, baby. The vineyard is available now. Naboth is gone. You get up and get your vineyard, what you wanted." Look at verse 15 to 18. And it came to pass when Jezebel heard that Naboth had been stoned and was dead. That Jezebel said to Ahab, Arise, take possession of the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite, which he refused to give you for money, for Naboth is not alive but dead. So it was when Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, that Ahab got up and went down to take possession of the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite. Then the word. You see, you think what you do, God doesn't know. He knows everything. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, the the Tishbite, saying, Arise, go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel, who lives in Samaria. There he is, in the vineyard of Naboth, where he has gone down to take possession of it. What happened in this story is very devilish, hellish, demonic, lying, self-pity, manipulation, Killing, murder, stealing, everything, all kinds of sin. Start from what? The thoughts of unthankfulness and self-pity and say, I deserve it. Don't entertain the thought of self-pity. You presume nothing from anybody. Expect nothing from anybody. And when they do good to you, you consider it's the grace of God. Be thankful for everything. Don't entertain the thought that they are in debt with you. They owe you something. You need to get it back. If you can be thankful and people do good to you, you will be surprised and you will be happy. But if you think that they owe you something and they have to do something to you, you're going to be upset all the time. Because no one can please you 24 hours a day. Everyone is busy. So don't have self-pity attitude. If you have that attitude right now in this house, repent as soon as possible. You you, You should stop it now before you end up being like Ahab to destroy your own family, your own life, and other people around you. Please, don't be like Ahab. The problem got worse. Ahab yielded completely to self-pity and the devil is in control because Ahab felt sorry for himself. Don't let the flesh control you. Let the Holy Spirit control you. Repent of false and wrong attitude as soon as possible. Look at verse 19. You shall speak to him, mean you mean Elijah, will speak to him saying, Thus say the Lord, have you murdered and also taken possession? And you shall speak to him, saying, Thus say the Lord, in the place where dogs lick the blood of Naboth, dogs shall lick your blood, even yours. Hmm. Interesting. Jezebel was the one who wrote that letter and sealed it with Ahab's seal, the king's seal. But why God spoke to Ahab before Jezebel? Later on, God is going to speak to Jezebel. Don't worry about it. He will come. Okay? He comes to Ahab first. Why? Let me explain this. A lot of people blame Jezebel. You heard all, all the time the word spirit of Jezebel, spirit of Jezebel in the church. I don't mention that much. But people blame Jezebel that she was a wicked woman. But let me ask this question. Whose fault is this? Who started the whole thing? Ahab. Ahab started the thought of self-pity. 
And when you allow somebody to plot some bad things in order to get something for yourself, even though you know that that plot is wicked and you don't stop it and you let it happen until you get it, whose fault is that? The person who exercised the plot or you are the one who should be guilty. You are the one who should be guilty because you allow it to happen. That's why God came to Ahab before Jezebel. Ahab was fully responsible for the action of Jezebel. He was fully responsible for the death and the stealing from Naboth. He was totally responsible. Amen. That's why in the church or in your house, when something bad happened and dad and mom don't correct, don't deal with it, and you allow it to happen in this church, if I allow people to do bad things. I am accountable and I'm guilty. Ahab did not stop Jezebel. He is responsible. Look at verse 20 to 22. So Ahab said to Elijah, Have you found me, O my enemy? And he answered, I have found you because you have sold yourself to do evil in the sight of the Lord. Behold, I will bring calamity on you. I will take away your prosperity. And will cut off from Ahab every male in Israel, both born and free. I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and like the house of Basha, the son of Ahisha, because of the provocation with which you have provoked me to anger and make Israel sin. Ahab did evil thing because he was yielding to self-pity. And he's going to be punished now. He will be judged. Verse 23 and 24. And concerning Jezebel, the Lord also spoke. You see, God did not only punish Ahab, but also Jezebel, saying, The dogs shall eat Jezebel by the wall of Israel. The dogs shall eat whoever belongs to Ahab and dies in the city. And the birds of the air shall eat whoever dies in the field. Both Ahab and Jezebel would not receive a proper burial. They would be eaten by dogs and birds. Look at verse 25 to 27. God was very upset here, was very angry. But there was no one like Ahab who sold himself to do wickedness in the sight of the Lord. Because Jezebel, his wife, stirred him up. Husband and wife, please don't entertain each other evil thoughts. If you see your husband is doing wrong thing, Wife should come in and say, Honey, repent. Don't come in and feed the self-pity and bad attitude to your husband. The same thing if your wife is doing wrong thing. Godly husband will not entertain that bad thoughts and will tell the wife, Honey, repent. You have the wrong attitude. Amen? Don't do like Jezebel and Ahab. Okay? And he behaved very abominably in following idols according to all that the Amorites had done, whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. So it was when Ahab heard these words, listen carefully, that he tore his clothes and put sackcloth on his body and fasted and lay in sackcloth and went about mourning. Wow, Ahab was very wise here. Was he arguing with God? No. What did he do? He repented right away. Let me ask you a question. If you were God, what would you do? Ahab had done a list of evil things in Israel. The situation of Naboth is one of them, of hundreds of them that he did evil things. And then God confronted him that you did wrong. And Ahab said, I'm sorry. I really repented. I think some of you will pull out the gun and say, you deserve it anyway. Bam! I believe you will do that. You will put a gun out and shoot him on his head. You deserve to be dead. But look at what God was doing. Our God is a good God. His mercy endures forever. His love is new every morning. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah, the Tishbite, saying, See how Ahab, you need to understand, repentance must follow by action to the point that people can see the action. Not just by your word. Yes, I repent. But no one can see your action. 
See how Ahab was humble himself before me. Everyone say humbled. How you get the grace from God? Humble. A humble will be receiving the grace. Because he has humbled himself before me, I will not bring the calamity in his days. In the days of his son, I will bring the calamity on his house. So the generation curse continued to the son, but Ahab himself was not killed by the Lord. The Lord was so merciful. Amen. How can you get grace from God? Humble, faith, being thankful, don't have self pity. Amen. I want the grace of God. Look at verse 29. That Ahab humbled himself before me because he has humbled before me. I will not bring the calamity to him. What do we learn from this story? I'm gonna make conclusion now. The story is conclusion. If you want to have victory in your life, you need the grace of God. How do you get the grace of God? You get the grace of God by being humble and by walking by faith. How do you show that you have faith? If you complain all the time, you say, "I deserve it. It belonged to me. They owe me. God owe me something. I did something for Him." He owe me something. He has to do this thing for me. You keep being negative, being complainer, complaining and uh, self pity. Feel sorry for yourself. You are not walking by faith. Then you don't get the grace of God, and not only that, you may get the punishment of God. Don't let the devil help you entertain the thoughts of self pity, unthankfulness, and the word "I deserve it." No more the word "I deserve it" in your vocabulary. You say, "I don't deserve anything." It's all by the grace of God. Amen. I just came back from Thailand. The whole service, with 700 seat full, with people sit on the floor without PR. People come pack the room. People sit on the floor. Every person that run the whole, you know, this is three revival service with 700 attendants. No one get even one penny from this meeting, including myself. Free. Everyone serve this ministry for free. Worship team, archers, all the administrator, everyone serve for free. To get these 700 people get touched by God. Can you imagine? They have to stand in the line to be prayed for by me. About an hour. 700 people standing, waiting for Pastor Lao to come by and lay hand on them. They have to stand there for one hour to, for me to get to them. You understand the word 700 people mean? Amen. And I, so many times I have to lay hand like this because they have to light up two sides to, get, to pray for. All these things happen. 700 people, worship team, workers, Archers, we invest about 170,000 baht. We collected 300,000 baht. We don't even lose money, except my airplane ticket that we have to pay. This is the grace of God. Count everything as the grace of God. Your wife, your husband, be thankful always. Don't say, I deserve it. Don't have self-pity. Don't do those things like I have. Amen? How many people are going to grow up in this room? How many people are going to stay baby like I have? Putting your head under the pillow. I hope not. We're going to grow up together. Amen? Immature people, are like babies, crying, complaining. But we are not going to be immature anymore. We're going to be mature people. We're going to be smiling, happy, be thankful, thank God for every circumstance, and let the grace of God work in our life so that we can have victory every single day. Everyone say, being thankful. Everyone says, victory. The grace of God. I don't deserve it. I don't earn it. 
It comes by grace, and I receive through faith by being thankful. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for teaching us the lesson in this passage regarding Ahab, Jezebel, and Naboth. We thank you, Lord, that you show us a good example through Jesus Christ, who say, "Get behind me, Satan! I'm not going to yield to the." Evil thoughts, self-pity thought. I'm not going to entertain demonic thoughts, but I will be mature. I will grow up in the way of the Lord. I don't want to feel self-pity anymore. I want to be thankful, Father. We thank you so much, Lord. In Jesus' name. Before we close the service, I would like to ask people who never know Jesus. You don't know Jesus. You are not a, a child of God yet. I want to let you know that God is real. That's why you listen to all this testimony that God healed colon cancer. You know, colon cancer people live not more than six months to a year. People die fast with colon cancer, and she has been in our church for almost four years. It's evident that the doctor already checked her, and no colon cancer anymore. God is real. Amen. God is real. I would like to ask you: If you never invite Jesus Christ into your life as your Lord and Savior, you do it today, like I did 30 years ago. And the Lord gonna come and teach you and help you to live a life of victory. God wants us to have victory. Make a decision today to give your life to Jesus. Don't walk away from Him. I want to let you know: you cannot help yourself. You need the Lord. No matter how high education you have, no matter how much, how high the job you have, or how much salary you have, we all need the grace of God. We all need the grace of God. As a doctor, I see people sick every single day. People need medication. When I look at my patients, I know I need the grace of God because sickness can attack you anytime. Car accident can happen anytime. Bad things can happen anytime in this life. But thank God, not only that Jesus paid for your sins so that you will be forgiven and you can have eternal life with God in heaven. Your sins are forgiven, but also while you are walking in this life on earth, you shall walk by the grace of God, the grace of protection, the grace of provision, the grace of direction. God will give you victory. The Lord is real. He is still the living God. I want to encourage you to receive Jesus into your heart, and don't procrastinate anymore. Don't wait to tomorrow, because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Accept Jesus today. Amen. How many people want to have Jesus in your life? Raise your hand up. Jesus, come into my life. Raise your hand up. Raise your hand. Raise high, 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 high. Wave to God. God, I need you. I'm not going to run my own life anymore. I need the grace of God, and I can receive the grace of God by faith. Pray with me, Father in heaven. I know, Lord, I am weak. I don't know everything. I need your grace, Lord. I humble myself before you. I come to you by faith, believing that Jesus Christ. Is the Son of the Living God? He forgave my sin. He paid for my sin. He paid for my victory. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Lead me. Help me. I want the Spirit of God to control me, not demonic spirits, but the Spirit of the Living God. Help me, Lord. To overcome evil thoughts, such as self-pity, unthankfulness, I deserve it. Lord, I want to have the right thought, the thoughts of God in my mind. Help me, O oh Lord. Lead me. I am born again. I am a child of the Living God, and victory is mine. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Let's give the hand to the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. How many people are thankful from now on? Everyone say, "I'm thankful." We trust that this message is ministered to you. If you would like more information about New Hope International Church or other teaching CDs, please contact us at 206-275-1042. You may also visit our website online at www.newhopeinternationalchurch.com. To them all gathered in your name, I lift to you this new praise song. All the wrongs I have ever done have been washed away by your only son. Bring me your tired, you said. Bring me your weak. Bring me your hungry masses. We seek your glory.